the book of 1 Kings, chapter number 19. And a couple of weeks ago, we started on this journey, uh, well, in this particular segment of restoring your soul in times of trauma, hurt, or depression. Uh, And in this particular facet, we're looking at uh, Jezebel, uh, the appetite for control over others. Uh, And what we've done up to this point, the first part of this teaching, we uh, are taking you back to look at uh, Elijah and some of his experiences with God and how we saw a man of God declaring and speaking the word of God in various situations. You guys know how we saw uh, that Elijah uh, was uh, fed by a raven. Uh, God used a bird to feed him. God also, when the, when the, in, in the brook uh, of Cherub, uh, dried up. He took him from there to Zarephath. And when he got to Zarephath, God told, God told him, I'm taking you to Zarephath. There's a widow there who's going to sustain you. Uh, remember, Elijah had made a pronouncement that it wasn't going to rain. And so when there's no rain, there's no agricultural growing. And when there's no agricultural crops growing, then you have famine in the land, right? And so, but in the midst of the famine, God fed him and sustained him. One of the things that I, I always think about when I read that passage is that no matter what the economic situation is, we serve a God who's able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we can ask or think. Uh, even if we are in a time of recession, uh, then I believe that we as born again believers can be in that number who's still working and still gaining income. If the unemployment rate goes up in to 9% or 10%, which is relatively high, then that means that there are 90% of people who are looking for work who are working. And my mindset is, how come I can't be in the 90%? All right? I believe that in times of trouble, we serve a God who's able to come through for us. And so we saw the widow at Zarephath who said that, you know, I only got this little bit to, uh, to eat. I'm, I was going to fix that, and me and my son were going to eat, and we are going to die. But then the man of God said, listen, here's what you do. You go and fix it, but give me my portion first. <laughs> if you follow me and do what, the, do what I say, then you're going to be sustained. And we know what happened, right? What happened? They, they, the, the, the portion sustained them. Amen. And the widow's uh, son uh, later on got sick. The son got sick and died, right? And then God's man went in and laid on top of him and, and, and uh and pleaded God's uh, uh, mercy upon him and raised the child from the dead, right? And then we had uh, the situation where they had a showdown with the prophets of Baal on Mount Carmel, right? Here we are seeing Elijah walking through these various experiences and, and seeing God's hand at work, seeing God move in miraculous ways, seeing God do what it would deem to be impossible. And yet when we get over here, uh, and get into this text and can see when he begins to uh, face Jezebel, even though he saw God's hand moving, then all of a sudden fear rose up. And I, I can't help but to think about you and I, because many of us in here, if you're born again, you've seen God do some things in your life that, would, that, that, that and brought you through some situations that may have been considered to be tough. Situation where other people may have lost their minds. 
but you're still here clothing your right mind. You're still here even moving, breathing, having your being, walking along with God. And when you look back over what the Lord has done, nothing that comes ahead of us should ever be uh, of such a, 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 a dramatic situation to where it causes us to doubt that God can't do what he did five years ago. So, but Elijah here, we see him, uh, we left off a couple of weeks ago, a couple of Wednesdays, talking about the showdown at Mount Carmel with the prophets of Baal, right? And y'all know what happened, correct? Uh, God rained down fire from heaven, uh, burned up the sacrifice, burned up the, the water around the trough, and, and um, <laughs> burned up all those false prophets also. So look, if you will, uh, let's go to, let's back up uh, to uh, verse 45 of the 18th chapter, First. Kings chapter 18, look at verse number 45. So that's that's kind of how we got to this point here. We're still getting to our lesson, but I want to show you this because it's important for us to understand that even when you're walking with God and when you're seeing God move in your life in miraculous ways, you cannot afford to take your eyes off of him because the enemy will always come at you to try to get you to doubt God's ability The enemy is always coming to try to change your mind about the faithfulness and the powerfulness of the God that you serve. And the way that he does that is he messes with our circumstances. He messes with our health. He messes with our situation. He messes with our finances to try to get our eyes off of God and to place it squarely on the situation. So here in the 18th chapter, verse 45, it says, and soon the sky was black with clouds. A heavy wind brought a terrific rainstorm and Ahab left quickly. For Jezreel. Verse 46. Then the Lord gave special strength to Elijah. He tucked his cloak into his belt and ran ahead of Ahab's chariot all the way to the entrance of this city called Jezreel. Now, notice what it says here. He, he outran the chariot. Now, what that means is, is that Elijah, being supernaturally empowered by God, ran ahead of Ahab to the city of Jezreel. So now we get into this 19th chapter. It's where we want to kind of take off from today. Says when Ahab got home, he told Jezebel everything Elijah had done, including the way he had killed all the prophets of Baal. Now let me ask you a question. What's wrong with this statement right there, including the way he had killed all the prophets of Baal? What's wrong with that statement? Who? Okay, that, that was not actually true, right? Who killed him? God did, right? So, so here we are. We, we see him sharing with his wife Jezebel, saying that Elijah did it, but God is the one who performed, amen, this judgment upon these false prophets. Guys, one thing I want, I want you to understand that even in this life, sometimes we, we're trying to condemn people to hell. That ain't our job. God knows exactly where people are. And God will determine who, who gets in and who doesn't get in, right? So, so really, this is not really a true statement here, but it says, including the way he had killed all the prophets of Baal. Now, I understand this, that, that he was there, and through his, what he did, God worked through him, but it was God who did this thing right here, okay? So he, he reports this to, to Jezebel. Look at verse number two. Let's read. It says, so Jezebel sent this message to Elijah. Now, this is a rough woman. This is a woman. Like, we're talking about a controlling spirit. And we're talking about the fact that, that, that really when we have to watch, even as we go through different phases in our life, uh, that we don't have this type of spirit uh, emulating out of us. The text says, 
So, so Jezebel sent this message to Elijah. May the God strike me and even kill me if by this time tomorrow I have not killed you just as you killed them. That's a threat, isn't it? She says, in 24 hours, I'm going to get you. <laughs> that's basically what she says. That's Dawn inter- interpretation of it. Now watch what it says here in verse number three. Let's go. It says what? Elijah was afraid and fled for his life. Now watch this. The same Elijah who saw God feed him, amen, with a raven and from a brook, the same God who allowed a widow meal, a, a meager portion of meal to be multiplied to where they were sustained for weeks on end, the same God who Elijah called to and prayed to to raise a child from the dead, that very same Elijah is now doing what? Operating in fear. Guys, let me, let me share this with you. Fear and faith are opposite ends of the spectrum. Fear and faith cannot operate in the same heart. One is going to chase the other out. Now, when I'm talking about fear, I'm not talking about sudden fear. Because we know that sudden fear comes, right? Sudden fear comes, like, like the Bible says, be not afraid of sudden fear. Neither of the desolation of the wicked when it comes for the Lord to be your confidence and keep your feet from being taken. Y'all hear me quote that time and time again. Sudden fear will come when we when we face something that we were not looking for. But sudden fear should never in the life of a believer turn into a, a, a fear that's embedded in our spirit. Sudden fear is coming because you're surprised about something. You didn't see it coming. And, and there are times when, when an unexpected bill will come. There are times when sickness will come. There's times when, when uh, maybe a, a, a financial situation arises. Maybe there, you know, the plant shut down with no warning. And then immediately in your mind, you start thinking, how am I going to make it? How am I going to feed my family? They didn't even give us time to even prepare for this. And sudden fear comes up and your heart begins to beat real fast, right? And y'all have had any sudden fear situations arise in your life? But then when that fear happens, what do you do? What, what, what are we supposed to do? When that sudden fear rises up, we got to get our eyes off of that situation and put it squared on the one who we're trusting in. And that's what we got to learn how to do as born again believers. So let's look at this text. It says, Elijah was afraid and he fled for his life. He went to Beersheba, a town in Judah, and he left his servant there. Now watch what it says in the next verse. It says, then he went on alone into the wilderness, traveling all day. He sat down on a solitary broom tree and prayed uh, that, that he might die. Now watch this. Here's God's man. The one who we saw God worked miracles through him. Now the text says he sat down and prayed that he might die. This guy is suicidal. After having seen God do all what God did, which tells me, guys, we can't rest on our laurels. As a born again believer, we got to always be consistently walking by faith. We got to always day by day trust God for our source, trust God for our uh, our substance, trust God uh, to keep our mind in perfect peace as we keep it stayed on him. Here this guy as the prophet of God is saying, you know what? I've had enough, Lord. Take my life. 
for I'm no better than my ancestors who have already died. Now, guys, I, I want to say something right here. You know, th- there are times in our life, God, if we're not careful, we'll have these very same thoughts. I mean, these thoughts about, you know what, I'm tired. I've, I've had enough. And unfortunately, we, we have, we've had we've had people who who follow through on those uh, on, on the, that depressive state of mind or that suicidal mindset. But but here, what surprises me a little bit is that this is God's man. But it really doesn't surprise me because I was reading an article just not too long ago in the magazine. talking about how how uh, pastors oftentimes experience depression. Uh, and, and many times, as a matter of fact, there was a, there was a young pastor, he, I think he's in late 30s, early 40s, who had taken over his father's mega church. He ended up committing suicide in the church, in his church office. And, and you would have thought from the outside he had everything going for him, taking over, taking over his father's ministry, a prosperous, growing mega ministry. But he, he was suffering with depression and he ended up committing suicide. So, guys, if you happen to be struggling with anything along that line, Please do not keep that to yourself. Find somebody who you can talk to and share with and, 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 and get some, some, some professional help. Man, because your, our minds go through these periods and go through these thought processes and, and the enemy will, will, will shoot something our way to try to get our minds off of God and have us thinking that the situation is hopeless. So here we see, he says, I've had enough, Lord. Take my life for I'm no better than my ancestors who have already died. Verse 5, let's read. It says, then he lay down and slept under the broom tree. But as he was sleeping, an angel touched him and told him, get up and eat. He looked around and there beside his head was some bread baked on hot stones and a jar of water. So he ate and drank and lay down again. Next verse says, then the angel of the Lord came again and touched him and said, get up and eat some more. Or the journey ahead will be too much for you. The text says, so he got up and ate and drank and the food gave him enough strength to travel for 40 days and 40 nights to Mount Sinai, the mounting of the Lord. Now, let's let's kind of stop right here and begin to try to see if we can unpack some things. Now, w- what we understand here is, is that obviously uh, Elijah was in a state of, I don't know, he was he was in a state where where he was he was drained. He was in a state where he was he was he, Jezebel was coming after him. And, and somewhere along the line, his mental capacity had, had turned and shifted and got his mind off of God and what God was able to do. And he began to feel sorry for himself. Now, again, remember, he had just confronted the prophets of Baal on Mount Carmel, proving that the Lord Jehovah is the one and only true and living God. And after the Lord had sent that boat to lightning to, 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 to burn up the sacrifice uh, and, and had, had killed the prophets of Baal, uh, you know, God was showing himself faithful in that situation. And then remember, Elijah ran ahead of, uh, of, of Ahab to get back to Jezreel. Now, I'm thinking in my mind, was, was Elijah thinking that now that we've had this showdown at Mount Carmel, surely Jezebel and Ahab will know that I serve the true and the living God. Guys, I'm going to tell you something. Miracles won't change rebellious people's minds. Many times we think that if I just saw somebody raised from the dead, I know I would be born again. I, I, if people could just see a miracle, it would change their hearts. Miracles don't change people's hearts. It's all throughout the scripture. You see where God had performed miracles, but it didn't, it didn't result in a change of heart. So maybe Ahab got discouraged because 
when, when he found out that Jezebel had put a, a contract on his head, that, that, that maybe he thought that surely they should have known that I serve the true and the living God. So anyhow, he got into a state of depression and caused him to ask God to take his life. So let's, let's look at this again a little bit further. Go to verse number nine. Let's move a little bit further here. The text says, there he came to a cave where he spent the night, but the Lord said to him, what are you doing here, Elijah? Elijah replied, I have zealously served the Lord God Almighty, but the people of Israel have broken their covenant with you, torn down your altars, and killed every one of your prophets. I am the only one left, and now they're trying to kill me too. Have you ever felt like you were the only one that was doing right? Have you ever felt like you were the only one who was trying to serve the Lord in your family? Have you ever felt like you were the only one that was really serious about the Lord? Here, here we have Elijah sort of having a pity party in this state of depression, and he's thinking to himself, I'm the only one left, God. Look at the next verse. Let's go. Let's go. Let's just watch. Say, go out and stand before me on the mountain, the Lord told him. And as Elijah stood there, the Lord passed by and a mighty windstorm hit the mountain. It was such a terrible blast that the rocks were, were torn loose. But the Lord was not in the wind. After the wind, there was an earthquake. But the Lord was not in the earthquake. And after the earthquake, there was a fire. But the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire, there was the sound of a gentle whisper. 13. When Elijah heard it, he wrapped his face in his cloak and went out and stood at the entrance of the cave. And a voice said, what are you doing here, Elijah? Next verse says what? He replied, I have zealously served the Lord God Almighty, but the people of Israel have broken their covenant with you, torn down your altars, and killed every one of your prophets. I am the only one left, and now they are trying to kill me too. Verse 15 says, then the Lord told him, go back the same way you came and travel to the wilderness of Damascus. When you arrive there, anoint Hazel to be king of Aram. Watch this. Then anoint Jehu, son of Nimshai, to be king of Israel, and anoint Elisha, son of Shaphat, from the town of Abimelamoma, wherever, to replace you as my prophets. Now watch this, watch this. Anyone who escapes from Hazel will be killed by Jehu, Jehu, and, and those who escape Jehu will be killed by Elisha. Yet I will preserve, watch this, yet I will preserve 7,000 others in Israel who have never bowed down to Baal or kissed him. Now remember the scenario. God's people had yoked up with a pagan group of folks. God's man married a pagan lady. I share with you that God's, when you look in scripture and you see God preventing his people from interfacing with other folks, God's problem is, is when we connect with people who don't have a covenant with him. Because God knows that when you yoke up with that woman who does not know the Lord and you save, that woman has a tendency. I told you the power of a woman. Remember I said that about the power of a woman? A woman can make a man, a man lose everything he got. Hello? And so God knew that if, if, if the men of Israel started marrying these women from these pagan nations, they were going to turn their hearts away from him. And that's exactly what happened with Jezebel and Ahab. She turned his heart from God and they started, the whole nation started worshiping the idol God, started worshiping Baal. But we see here, watch, let's, let's move a little bit further and we're going to get into our lesson text. Okay. So Elijah went and found Elisha, son of Shaphat, plowing the field. 
There were 12 teams of oxen in the field and Elisha was plowing with the 12th team. Elijah went over to him and threw his cloak across his shoulders and then walked away. I love this. Elisha left the oxen standing there, ran after Elijah and said to him, first, let me go and kiss my father and mother goodbye and then I will go with you. Elijah replied, go on back, but think about what I have done to you. Watch this. So Elisha returned to his oxen and slaughtered them. He used the wood from the plow to build a fire to roast the flesh. He passed around the meat to the townspeople and they all ate. Then he went with Elijah as his assistant. And we get, we'll see the anointing of God flowing on Elisha also. So let's get back here and, and look, look at the outline that I gave you a couple weeks ago. Hopefully you have that with you tonight. Uh, let's take a look at some things right quick. Now, when we, when we look at start looking at Jezebel. And again, we get over, we, we move over into, there's a whole lot more we can bring up to this point. But um, there, there's a scenario over in, uh, in the 21st chapter of 1 King that gives you even a greater glimpse of, of the, the type of uh, mindset that this woman had, the, the control that she uh, exerted over her husband. All right. Now, I'm going to say this, and I pray that you hear me, hear me real carefully. Uh, when it comes to um, the relationship between a husband and wife, it, that relationship should be bound or should be governed by what the Holy Scripture says. Uh, in no home should there ever be one or the other dominating each other. In other words, the husband should be dominating the wife, and the wife shouldn't be dominating the husband. The husband should be leading the family according to what the scripture says, right? I'm going to say that one more time. The husband should be leading the family. Okay, y'all from Missouri, I got to show you. Y'all know this. Go to the book of Ephesians. Come on, right quick. Because, uh, you know, sometimes we just don't, we need to see it again for the very first time. Go to Ephesians chapter number five. And y'all know this. I, I know you know it. Uh, verse number 20. Start at verse number 21. Verse, Ephesians five, verse number 21. And further, watch this. Submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. Submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. Next verse read for wives. This means submit to your husbands as to the Lord. Can we read it again? Y'all read it with me. Ready? Read. For wives, this means submit to your husbands as to the Lord. Verse 23. For a husband is the head of the wife, as Christ is the head of the church. He is the savior of his body, the church. This is talking, this is not talking about that the husband or the male is, 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 is greater than the female. This is talking about responsibility. This is talking about, uh, you know, accountability. God says, uh, for, for order's sake, I'm going to place, amen, the responsibility on the husband to lead and to be over his wife. That's what he says. Okay? Uh, for responsibility purposes, not that the husband's any better, because when God, God, God made woman out of man, right? So males, or not to have the mindset that, I, that I'm more or better than the female. No. But for responsibility purposes, God says, here's the order in the home. Now watch this. 
For husband is head of the wife, as Christ is head of the church, he's the savior of the body, the church. His, as the church submits to Christ, so you wives should submit to your husbands and everything. Everything is godly, right? For husband, this means love your wives. Here we go. Just as Christ loved the church, he gave up his life for her. Y'all know this. To make her holy and clean, washed by the cleansing of God's word. Come on, let's go. Next verse. He did this to present her to himself as a glorious church without spot or wrinkle or any blemish. Instead, she would be holy and without fault. In the same way, husbands ought to love their wives as they love their own bodies. For a man who loves his wife actually shows love for himself. 29 says what? Uh, no one hates his own body but feeds and cares for it just as Christ cares for the church. 30 says this, and we are members of his body. 31, let's read it. As the scripture say, a man leaves his father and mother and is joined to his wife and the two are united into one. That's right. This is a great mystery. Watch this. But it is an illustration of the way Christ and the church are one. The husband-wife's relationship is an illustration of the way Christ and the church are one. So we understand and we know that even though the husband has leadership, the two are one. And neither one, in 21 says, submit to one another in reverence for Christ. Right? So there should never be a dominating situation. Amen? And surely there should not be a situation where the wife dominates the husband. Like Jezebel did. Go back to 1 Kings 21. Watch this. Because when you look at scripture, um, Jezebel manipulated everyone she came in contact with and repeatedly defied the word of God spoken through the prophet Elijah. Jezebel always got her way and woe unto those unfortunate enough to get in her way. That's the kind of woman she was, all right? Her happiness depended on being on top of others. And there are some people who aren't happy unless they're in charge of everything, including everything in the church. Go back to 1 Kings 21 right quick. 1 Kings 21. The text says this. Now, there was a man named Naboth from Jezreel who owned a vineyard in Jezreel beside the palace of King Ahab of Samaria. Watch this. One day Ahab said to Naboth, since your vineyard is so convenient to my palace, I would like to buy it to use as a vegetable garden. I will give you a better vineyard in exchange, or if you prefer, I will pay you for it. But neighbor replied, the Lord forbid that I should give you the inheritance that was passed down by my ancestors. This is, my, this is inherited property. I'm going to keep it in the family. That's basically what he says. Now watch this. So Ahab went home angry and sullen because of Naboth's answer. The king went to bed with his face to the wall and refused to eat. This sounds like a big old baby, doesn't it? <laughs> now, how many of y'all do this? We have any men here go home and turn your face to the wall and won't eat? <laughs> watch this controlling spirit begin to come into place. Watch, watch Jezebel, right? What's the matter? His wife Jezebel asked him, what's made you so up? So upset that you're not eating. The text says this. I asked neighbor to sell me his vineyard or trade it. But he refused. Ahab told her. Watch this. Are you the king of Israel or not? Controlling spirit. Everybody say controlling spirit. Are you the king of Israel or not? Jezebel demanded. Get up and eat something and don't worry about it. Watch this. I'll get you neighbor's vineyard. 
I'm going to take care of this. Think about what we're talking about, guys. We're talking about a controlling spirit, a spirit that 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 pushes a spirit that wants to be able to manipulate every situation. Watch what the text says in the next verse. So she wrote letters in Ahab's name, sealed them with his seal and sent them to the elders and other leaders of the town where neighbors lived. Watch this. In her letters, she commanded, call the citizens together for fasting and prayer and give neighbors a place of honor. This, this woman is cold. And then seat two scoundrels across from him who will accuse him of cursing God and the king. Then take him out and stone him to death. Now watch this. Set two scoundrels next to him, okay? Who going to lie on him? Because I'm going to make sure that my husband gets what he says he wants. Watch this. Watch this. Next verse. So the elders and other town leaders followed the instructions Jezebel had written in the letters. Uh, they called for a fast and put Naboth at a prominent place before the people. Then the two scoundrels came and sat down across from him and they accused Naboth before all the people saying he cursed God and, and the king. So he was dragged outside the town and stoned to death. Wow. Wow. Next verse. Let's read. It says what? The town leaders then sent word to Jezebel. Naboth has been stoned to death. When Jezebel heard the news, she said to Ahab, you know, the vineyard Naboth wouldn't sell you. Well, you can have it now. He's dead. That's the kind of woman we're dealing with here in the text. That's, let me back up. Not the kind of woman. That's the kind of spirit that we're dealing with here. A, a, a controlling, a narcissistic type spirit that loves to be in charge of everything and will do whatever it takes to get what it wants. Watch, watch. Look, come on. Can we read? It? So Ahab immediately went down to the vineyard of neighbor to claim it. The text says this next verse, but the Lord said to Elijah, his God's man, go down to meet King Ahab of Israel who rules in Samaria. He will be at neighbor's vineyard in Jezreel claiming it for himself. The text says, give him this message. This is what the Lord says. Wasn't it enough that you killed neighbor? Must you rob him too? Because you have done this. Watch this. Dogs will lick your blood at the very place where they lick the blood of neighbor. See, now listen, when you mess with God's situation, when you mess with God's covenant people, God has a way of bringing justice to the situation. But the same Elijah who was running from Jezebel, God said, you go and meet Ahab and I need you to tell him what I said. One thing I can appreciate about Elijah is when God told him to give a word, he gave a word. Guys, there are some time in our lives when God gives us a message to give the people and, and we won't give it because we are afraid. A spirit of fear rises up. But, 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 but let, let's read this. Give him this message. This is what the Lord says. Wasn't it enough that you kill neighbor? Must you rob him too? Because you have done this, the dogs will lick your blood at the very place where they lick the blood of neighbor. Look at the next verse. Let's read. So, so, my, so my enemy, you have found me, Ahab exclaimed to Elijah. He called Elijah his enemy. Yes, Elijah answered, I have come because you have sold yourself to what is evil in this Lord's sight. Next verse, let's go. So now the Lord says, I will bring disaster on you and consume you. I will destroy every one of your male descendants, slave and free alike, anywhere in Israel. 
I'm going to destroy your family as I did the family of Jeroboam, son of Nebat, and the family of Basha, son of Ahijah. For you have made me very angry and have led Israel into sin. See, the king, leadership is important. The leader of God's people led them into sin. There are times when, when leaders of home lead their families into sin. There are times when leaders of community lead, lead the, the, the community into sin. There are times when leaders of nations will lead the nation into a, a, a place of sin. And God was angry about this. Look at the next verse. Let's read. It says what? And regarding Jezebel, the Lord said what? Dogs would eat Jezebel's body at the plot of land in Jezreel. Now listen, how many of y'all believe that when God says something, it's going to happen? You can book it, you can mark it down. If the Lord says it, if thus said the Lord comes out and it is the Lord saying, you can book it, it's going to happen. Let's keep reading. Watch this text. The members of Ahab's family who died in the city will be eaten by dogs and those who died in the field will be eaten by vultures. Wow. No one else so completely sold himself to what was evil in the Lord's sight as Ahab did under the influence under the influence, under the influence of his wife Jezebel. Text says what? His worst outrage was worshiping idols just as the Amorites had done. The people whom the Lord had driven out from the land ahead of the Israel. Here he is. He allowed this woman to turn his heart away from God. The Bible said when we first started this, he did more evil than all the ones that ever came before him, guys. So, so again, you see what was happening, what was transpiring here, and God's judgment comes in this situation. But look at your outline right here. First of all, look at the people under Jezebel's control. Watch this. And I, I don't have time to go through all the scriptures today, but I want to just point them out. The prophets of God, if you look back in 1 Kings, uh, she had them on the run. They were under her control. God's men, as a matter of fact, that was one of them that were in there. Let's go there right quick. Go to 1 Kings uh, eight, chapter 18 right quick. 1 Kings 18, and look at verses 3 and 4. 1 Kings 18, verses 3 and 4. So the, there was the prophets of God that were under her control. See, guys, this spirit, if, if you're not careful, will creep up in your home and it'll creep up in the church. There are people who are part of ministry who don't understand submitting to authority. And if they're not in charge of it or controlling it, then they don't want to be a part of it. And they will try to destroy it if they're not controlling it. Now, I thank God that, that, that this spirit, uh, you know, for the most part, I don't think it's reared his ugly head in this church. Uh, but I know churches, and I've been a part of churches where the spirit of Jezebel reigned real strong. So much so that, the, the, that there, it, it caused dissension and discord in the midst of the congregation. You know it. We, we, we were there when that spirit of Jezebel uh, in, in, in the church that we were a part of where the, 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 it was the norm. And but I thank God that when, when whenever you have a situation, I, I'm not saying that that spirit doesn't try to rise up. There are some people who are rebellious, but they just quiet rebellion. But this Jezebel spirit tends to be out front, up front in your face. And we see it operating in a lot of our churches today. And so we got to make sure that we don't, we don't allow that spirit to take root in this church. Amen. We're going to make sure that we do it God's way. And we're going to call the spirit out when we have to call it out. Amen. We're going to preach truth. When you preach truth, foolishness and error will be exposed. So Ahab summoned Obadiah, who was in charge of the palace. Watch what it says. Obadiah was a devoted follower of what? 
of the Lord. Verse four says what? Once when Jezebel had tried to kill all the Lord's prophets, Obadiah had hidden 100 of them in two caves. He put 50 prophets in each cave and supplied them with food and water. Here he was a prophet of the Lord. But here we see these prophets on the run from who? From Jezebel. So Jezebel had 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 some control and influence on them. Put them on the run. Running from her. Okay. The false prophets of Baal and Asherah, we see in, in 1 King 18 and 19, they were up under Jezebel's control. We won't go there, but watch this. The false prophets of Baal. Her husband, the king, was under her control. You, is there any doubt when you read the scripture that Jezebel was running the, the, running the nation? Is there any je- doubt that Jezebel was running the palace? Some of y'all are probably thinking about some situations you know of right now where it it appears that that, that there's a Jezebel running the house. But I'm going to tell you something. Uh, Every man of God who's in this place, amen, take your rightful, let's say take, operate and walk in your rightful place as the leader of your home, as the leader of your family, as the spiritual head of your home. Because when I I say take it, that means when you operate, amen, according to God's will, when you learn how to, to lead, spiritually as well as physically and financially, you'll, you'll discover that that, that that spirit of Jezebel doesn't have a chance to rise up when you do it God's way. It may try, but when you're walking in line with God's will, his word, it has a way of putting that spirit at bay. Are y'all with me? So her husband was under, and then Elijah, the prophet of God, was under her control because he took off and was in a depressive state we saw in our text to, to the point to where he was uh, 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 thinking about committing suicide. Now, now look, look at the next point. Go, go to Third John. Here we see uh, in, in, in the New Testament a situation that's similar to this. Diotrephes had a Jezebel spirit. A Jezebel spirit just not on women. It's, 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 it's gender neutral. A man can have a Jezebel spirit. Can I get a witness? Go to Third John. And look at verse number nine. Y'all have heard of Diotrephes before, haven't you? We preached about him before, right? We went through the book of Third John. Watch what the text says. This is John, right? John said, I wrote to the church. Can we back up? I don't want to start in the middle of that, in the middle of that thought. If, if you will, let's, let's back up to verse, oh, glory to God. Let's go back to, um, go back to verse one. We'll go back to verse one. Come on, verse one. Hurry, hurry. This letter is from John, the elder. I'm writing to Gaius, my dear friend, whom I love in the truth. First two, dear friend, I hope all is well with you and that you are as healthy in body as you are in strong, as you are strong in spirit. Some of the traveling teachers recently returned and made me very happy by telling me about your faithfulness and that you are living according to the truth. It's good to have a good testimony, isn't it? It's good when people come back and say, look at what they're doing at Elizabeth, at Elizabeth Baptist Church. Those people are faithful. They're doing the work of God. They're getting lives transformed. People are being changed. They're baptizing people, children and adults. I thank God today we're baptizing a young man who accepted Christ three weeks ago getting baptized Sunday. A young adult, amen, a young man getting baptized. And when you see that happening, man, that means that God's will is being done. Amen. He said, I can have no greater joy than to hear that my children are following the truth. Verse five, dear friend, you are being faithful to God when you care for the traveling teachers who pass through, even though they are strangers to you. 
They have told the church here of your loving friendship. Please continue providing for such teachers in a manner that pleases God. Verse seven, watch this. For they are traveling for the Lord and they accept nothing from people who are not believers. Here's what I believe, guys. I don't believe that it's the job of unbelievers to support the church. That's why you'll never find us out in front of Walmart shaking a bucket saying, give a donation for EBC. Because the church should be supported by those who are connected in covenant relationship with God. Are y'all listening to me? Whenever we, you know, when we get ready to, to start uh, building this building uh, project, we, I don't believe that we, we got to go to the world to try to get, you know, to get the money to, to raise to build a church. God says if we do it his way, he will provide. Are you with me today? So that's why you, you guys ought to be thankful that we don't have you selling plates. Stay at home with your family on Saturday. Cut your yard. I, I, listen, I, I'm not being critical of people who sell plates because we used to do it up, at, up in Hainesville, didn't we? Uh, at least, I don't know, it was the first Saturday of the month, whatever, they would sell plates. And you go and try to you know, get as many plates you can. And, and really, by the time you, you, know, you add up the, the, the cost of the food and gas running around, you may have cleared $100 when you could have just got five people to give $20 and y'all could have stayed at home. See, guys, here's what I've learned. If you will do it God's way, the Lord will provide. It's never failed. Every year, guys, and this is year number 29. We're, we're in year number 30 now. Every year for 30 years, God has increased the revenue of this church because we chose to do it God's way. And over that 30-year period of time, there have been times where the, the economy of the U.S. was in a recession. But God still blessed this church. If you do it God's way in your own home, he will provide. The problem we have is, 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 is again, and let me say this because it's going on the radio. If you sell in place, I don't have a problem with that. But, but if, you do, if you're doing that in place of tithes and offering, I do have a problem. If you say, it, well, we're not going to do it God's way. We're going to sell plates in order to pay the light bill of the church. Then I have a problem with that. And God does too. Hello? So, so, so quit, quit looking for an alternative means and an alternative way to do, to do things uh, that God has commanded us to do. If we are faithful to that, I'm here to tell you God will be faithful to us. And he's proving himself over and over and over again. So watch this. So we ourselves should support them so that we can be their partners as they teach the truth. What he's saying is we should support those preachers and those teachers who are going from place to place, sharing the gospel, getting people saved. Support that ministry, okay? I wrote to the church about this. Now, he says he wrote, what did he write to the church about? Back up to this next previous verse. What did he write to the church about? So we ourselves should support them. Who is them? The ministers who are going about preaching the gospel, getting people saved. So we ourselves should support them so that we can be their partners as they teach the truth. So every time you sow in the ministry and, and that person who's ministering shares a word, that word gets somebody saved, guess what? In your bank account in heaven, you get a check mark because you have support that ministry. 
Every person that gets saved through the, through the ministry work of EBC and the last count, I don't have the paper in front of me right now, but we're up with over 400 some people who've gotten saved through our outreach efforts amen, since we started tracking it four years ago, I believe it is. So every one of those souls, when you support the ministry here, you get a check mark in heaven on your account. So we ourselves should support them so that we can be their partners as they teach the truth. Now watch this. Watch what happened now, okay? He says, I want y'all to sow and help those teachers who are traveling so we can be their partners in ministry. But we got a Jezebel spirit in the church. Watch what the Jezebel spirit does. I wrote to the church about this. What is this? Supporting the ministers. But Diotrephes, who loves to be the leader, refuses to have anything to do with us. Look at the next verse. It says what? When I come, I will report some of the things he is doing and the evil accusations he is making against us. Not only does he refuse to welcome the traveling teachers, he also tells others not to help them. And when they do help, what does he do? Kick him out of the church. Everybody say Jezebel spirit. Say it was all over the atrophies. Now listen. If you ain't going to do right, don't stop somebody else from doing what's right. Huh? If you're not going to tithe, quit stopping your wife from tithing. Oh, ouch. Ooh. If you're not going to tithe, quit stopping your husband from tithe. If you're going to sin, sin by yourself. Watch the spirit. Here's what the spirit does, Brittany. I mean, look. He says, I'm, I'm, I'm reporting some of this. He says, not only does he refuse to welcome the traveling teachers, he also tells others not to help. And when they do help, what does he do? He kicks him out the church. Look at the next verse. Watch this. Dear friend, don't let this bad example influence you. Follow only what is good. Remember that those who do good prove that they are God's children and those who do evil prove that they do not Know God. Amen. Verse 12. Let's read. Let's go. It says, Everyone speaks highly of Demetrius, as does, as does the truth itself. We ourselves can say the same for him, and you know we speak the truth. 13 says what? I have much more to say to you, but I don't want to write it with pen and ink. So don't be a Diotrephes. Be a Demetrius. Okay, y'all with me? When it comes to your life in the church, Diotrephes had the spirit of Jezebel all over him. Demetrius was one who supported the vision and the work of the ministry, okay? So he, he was, Diotrephes was the leader in the early church who loved to be first. He loved to control other people. And, and, and so, uh, you know, he, he, was, he, was, he was just a bad fellow, y'all. All right? Let's get back to uh, First uh, uh, Kings right quick. Um, so, uh, but... I tell you what, before we do it, let's, let's go 
on the back of your page, go to Ephesians, the fifth chapter, verse 22 through 28. And I'm, I'm going to have to stop here because my time is about up. OK. I have to pick up with next week. So, again, this, this spirit. Uh, this spirit is usually it, it can be manipulative, but it also can be very uh, in your face. Very strong in the sense that uh, the way Jezebel did uh, with uh, Naboth because her husband was sad and was was pouting, really just having a pity party, she jumped in and had the man killed. Lied on him and had him executed. Guys, I'm going to tell you something. That's a, it's, it's, when you find this spirit in any church, you better deal with it. Because you don't deal with it, that spirit will take over. Are you listening to me? I, here's, I, I hope y'all hear my heart. And guys, I, I thank God for you all. You, you all have been such a blessing uh, to Marrera and I. And I, I say this with all my heart. And I thank you all for what you did for us on Sunday. You guys have been awesome. You guys have, have, have been, uh, uh, you know, key supporters of every, uh, uh, every aspect of ministry that we've done. Maybe except for changing the chairs to the pews. Other than that, y'all. <laughs> I had to mess with some of y'all on that. <laughs> You get used to it, though. I'll tell you, you know, change is tough on some of us, right? But other than, other than the pews, <laughs> you guys have been awesome. Y'all, y'all outstanding. And even with that, you, you, kind of, you, you may say, okay, well, that's not my preference. But you said, okay, I ain't going to fight. Jezebel would have called, called a church meeting. Jezebel would have said, we don't need no flexibility. Well, flexible for what? We come here and sit. That's all we need to do is sit. <laughs> but but anyhow, now I, I am being facetious. I don't, don't take that person. I'm just having a little fun with you. But but you guys have been 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 so supportive, and I say that because I talk to enough ministers who 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 have situations that are. I mean, they 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 almost hate that they they hate to go to church, and that's sad. I meant that when I said that Sunday, we get to serve you. We get the opportunity. We get the privilege of partnering with you in ministry. And you guys have been outstanding. Give yourself a hand. Give yourself a hand. I think, I think you're awesome. So, so I thank God. But I'm not so naive. I know that, that, that sometimes this spirit will try to creep up. And so it's important for you to recognize it. Okay, as a born again believer, and, and when you see it, you rebuke it. Amen? Are y'all with me? So, but watch this, watch this. So, so what can we learn from these, these following passages about our natural tendencies regarding being in authority and power? Because there, there, somewhere down inside of us, we kind of like to control stuff, right? Somewhere down inside of us, we like things to be the way we want it to be, right? And we see it, you know, we see it as our way is the best way. In most cases, we think that, right? All right, again, this is going back. I'm not going to read all this. For husband, this means submit, your, submit to your, for wives, this means submit to your husband as to the Lord. We've read this before. For as the husband is the head of the wife, for the husband is the head of the wife as Christ is the head of the church, he is the savior of the body, the church. Again, as the church submits to Christ, so wives should submit to your husband in everything. So, so, so the question becomes, okay, you know, from the, from, if you read the rest of that passage we read earlier, 
what can we learn about our natural tendencies regarding being in authority and power? What, 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 when you look at what, what the instruction that was given by the Apostle Paul to husbands and to wives in there, why do you think he said, husband, love your wife even as Christ loved the church? Why do you think he said, you know, love her like your own body? Why, why was that? Anybody? Somebody give me some thought. Why do you think he had to express that, love her like your own body? Huh? You're not going to hurt your own body. All right. That, that's, that's true. OK. But why do you think he had to say that? Huh? Somebody, somebody, why, why do you think he had to write that? Tanya? Uh, uh, absolutely. There's a there's a tendency if we're not careful when we get into a position of authority. If we don't, if we're not coached right and taught right, we'll let that authority go to our head. And there's a natural tendency to to to, to think that being in a position of authority means that I'm over you. And, and for responsibility purposes, yes, I'm over you. But anybody who's over, Jesus said you got to learn to serve first. And so if you are over somebody, then you are serving those who you're over so at the so that the product or the or the or the whatever you're trying to get was education, what is church ministry, what is a company, you're trying to get the, the job done. So you help you 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 lead by serving. That's what Jesus said. That's why he washed his disciples' feet to give us an example of what it means to be a true leader. A true leader is a servant. But in our natural tendency in the flesh, we we, we kind of want to be in charge, but we don't want to serve. Are you with me? All right, so let's go to Ephesians 6, 61. Hurry, hurry. Ephesians 6 and 1. Watch it. So you, you, see, you see that where he talks about, you know, loving it like your own body. Uh, love, loving her unconditionally. Even though you're, you're, you're leading her, he, he makes a statement of, you want to you want to you want to love her like your own body. You want to make sure that you treat her well, that you present her as a glorious church without a spot or wrinkle. He's saying that because even though you're leading, you're responsible. You ought to be serving her. That's what he says. Amen. So but he had to say that because the natural tendency is when you when people get in a position of authority, sometimes they, they will go overboard. He says, children, obey your parents because you belong to the Lord. For this is the right thing to do. Verse two. Uh, honor your father and mother. This is the first commandment with a promise. If you honor your father and mother, things will go well with you and you will have a long life on earth. The, the flip side of it, if you don't honor your father and mother, things may not go well with you and you may not live long. Wouldn't that be an accurate assessment? If I honor him, I, 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 you know, it'll be well with me and I live long. Maybe some, maybe, maybe you have experienced some stuff right now because you was hard headed. And wouldn't honor your father and mother. Maybe some things are coming back on you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, and sometimes we see it with the grandchildren. Yeah. Uh-huh. Okay. All right. Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger by the way you treat them. Rather, bring them up with the discipline and instruction that comes from the Lord. Slaves, obey your earthly masters with deep respect and fear. Serve them sincerely as you as you would serve Christ. Uh, now, again, we... we, we you would transport that to 
employees to employers. Try to please them all the time, not just when they are watching you as slaves of Christ. Do the will of God with all your heart. Uh, and Paul, when Paul was writing this, what he was saying was even when you were in slavery, you still have a responsibility to serve God. Okay? Uh, it says, work with enthusiasm as though you were working for the Lord rather than for people. Remember that the Lord will reward each one of us for the good we do, whether we are slaves or free. Okay, verse 9, masters, treat your slaves in the same way. Don't threaten them. Remember, you both have the same master in heaven, and he has no favorites. Okay, so the natural tendency is, is again, going back to if, 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 if I'm in a position of authority, if I'm not careful, I'll use that authority in the wrong way. Uh, one, one more, look at one more. Go to Colossians, the third chapter, verse 19 to 21. As you go in there, Jesus clearly states God's model of exercising authority and power over in Luke 22. We're going we're to end on that, okay? He, he, he expresses it in Luke 22. Husbands, love your wives and never treat them harshly. Why? Every time I look at that, I say, why do you have to say that? Why do you have to say, husband, love your wife and never treat them harshly? How come we didn't say, wives, love your husband, don't treat them harshly? Because I think, you know, at the time... It, and, 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 and probably if they had written this in 2019, they probably would have put that in there. <laughs> but, there but this was a, a this was a male dominated culture at the time. Right. And, and women and even wives were treated not much better than property in a lot of situations. So so he's telling us, husband, love your wives and never treat them harshly. That still applies today. y'all. OK. And, and, and vice versa. Children always obey your parents. For this pleases the Lord. 21. Fathers, do not aggravate your children or they will become discouraged. All right. Again, your position should be carried out with the spirit of love and commitment to God's way. Okay. Go to Luke 22. We're going to stop on this. one. Luke 22, verse 24. Jezebel life stands as an extreme warning to us about the temptation facing people in Position of, position of authority of any kind. You got to be careful when you're in authority of any kind, whether you're a coach. Um, I, I thought it was very interesting. Uh, that if any, I've been watching the NCAA tournament. Uh, there was a, 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 a scene that they show where the coach of Michigan State, Tom Izzo, was chewing one of his players out. Um, and, um, uh, you know, social media lit up with a bunch of comments about that and, you know, how awful that was. Uh, but it was interesting that the young man came to his coach's defense, um, and uh, and, and he because he knew his, his coach was trying to get the best out of him, uh, and you know all of us don't lead the same way. All of us have different temperaments, but the one thing that I think uh, that those kids understood and have understood for a long time—that guy, he's been there for—he's won a national championship. He's been there. For a number of years, they, they understand that he's trying to get the best out of them. And some some parents won't let coaches coach their kids. I said some parents won't let coaches coach their kids. Because it's hard and you sit there watching them and they're yelling at your baby. And what do you want to do? You want to go down on the sideline and tell that coach, you better keep your mouth off my child. And what he's trying to do is help the child. I've, I've always told you all this. Whenever a coach stops yelling at your child, that means that they've given up on your child. So if, they, if they're yelling at them, that means they think, they think they can do better. 
If they don't think they can do any better, they just say, bless your heart. So, so, so uh, I remember when I was coaching uh, some of our young boys up to their sixth grade years, I told the parents, I said, now listen, I know that these are your children and you are entrusting them to me uh, for this, this two-hour period of doing this game. I said, now, here's what we have to have. I said, I, I know you're the parents, but when it comes to uh, their time on this field, I need to have their undivided attention. I don't need to have them looking back up in the stand and you telling them what to do. I mean, that's what I told the parents. And, and you can ask, I mean, because we, we won, and I'm just not bragging, but we won championship after championship, and kids were parents for trying to get their kids on the team. Because I'm going to respect, I'm not going to cuss them out, but there are going to be some times where when they're not paying attention, I'm going to have to yell at them to get their attention. I'm going to coach them up. I'm not going to be disrespectful to them, but I'm not going to treat them like you do, mama. Because some of y'all mamas still got the umbilical cord tied. And you won't let your baby go. And you got to let your baby go for your baby can grow up. Amen? So anyhow, that's a whole other sermon there. But the, the point is, sometimes when you're doing something in a leadership position, people may not understand. Especially if you're not a part, integral part of, 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 of that process. You don't know the, the details of it. You're just going by what you see. And sometimes what you see ain't the whole story. And quit jumping in the middle of stuff and you don't know the whole story. Some of y'all jump on one person's side and all you heard is that one person's side. One thing I learned in counseling, you got to hear both sides of the story. Okay? And then, then we, we seek out the truth after we're hearing both sides of the story. I don't want to just hear your side. I need to hear what, hear what he got to say, too. I want to hear what she has to say, too. Okay? Because right, no, nobody used to come to you and tell you how, how dirty they were. They're going to come and tell you how dirty the other person was, right? All right? They ain't going to tell you they slapped them first. Okay? All right, watch this, watch it. Look, look, look at this, we got to go. All right. Then they began to argue among themselves about who would be the greatest among them. Now watch, here's Jesus teaching. Everybody say he taught. Jesus told them, in this world, the kings and great men lorded over their people, yet they are called friends of the people. 26, but among you, it will be different. Those who are the greatest among you should what? Take the lowest rank. And the leader should be like what? Should be like a servant. 27, let's read. Who is more important? The one who sits at the table or the one who serves? Boy, I don't know why I did that. (laughs) Can we try it again? When I get in a hurry, I mess up. So I got to stop getting in a hurry. Who is more important? The one who sits at the table or the one who serves? The one who sits at the table, of course, but not here. For I am among you as one who what? Serves. Watch this. Verse, it says, uh, you have stayed with me in my time of trial. And just as my father has granted me a kingdom I now grant you the right to eat and drink at my table in my kingdom. And you will sit on thrones judging the 12 tribes of Israel. What Jesus is trying to get them to understand is, listen, listen, in my world, in my kingdom, he who serves is greatest. Not who who lords over. 
And our mindset in the church should always be that of a servant who's trying to, to minister to people and not lord over people. A Jezebel spirit never does that. And I got to stop. My time is up. We'll pick up next week. Okay, Get the Lord a hand of praise. God bless you.